0: The following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, please visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Good afternoon, everybody. Clap your hands for the Lord. He's worthy. Come on. Jesus is worthy. Come on. Wow. Good to see all of you today, or as they say in Missouri, all of you. Good to see all of you today. What a joy to have you today and uh, on this beautiful day. You know... Uh, our, our crowd today seemed a little challenged, and I was wondering about it. Now, y'all look wonderful, but first two services, and I was wondering about it, Then I realized it just hit me. Duh, it hit me. We got about 120 young'uns up in Dallas at a reveal conference that come to church here all the time. And you take that out of the equation, and then the parents that dropped them off and said, Wow, we get a weekend away from our kids. Let's get out of here and you got some people missing in church, but you made it to the house of the Lord today. What a joy to see you. Give give yourself a hand for being in church. It's an honor. It's an honor. You know, I've discovered that the Lord is here. He's here. He was here in first service, second service, and He did some awesome things, and He's going to do some great things here in this service. We honor you. This is the third part and the final part of what we call the big life, and we started this three weeks ago, and we talked about uh, ab- abandoning smallness, and then Brad last week brought a beautiful word about us growing smaller and God getting bigger in our worship. And if you have not heard that, you need to go get that. Get uh, go go online and, and get the podcast of that, or go back and look at the Facebook uh, TV version of that. Because Pastor Brad knocked it out of the park last week. I'm so proud. And then, that's right. Go ahead and clap. That's good stuff. Clap real big. That's good. And then there's something else you need to listen to. On Wednesday night, a couple of Wednesday nights ago, Pastor Reed did a, a two-part series on, on, on Revelation. And uh, if you did not hear that, you need to hear that because he takes the fear out of the, out of the future and out of tomorrow and lets you understand that God is going to be with his children. Amen. And so that's a beautiful thing. Would you stand? You're awesome people, and I love you very much. And I love my wife, and I love my kids, and I love my son-in-laws in spite of themselves. And I love my grandkids because my son-in-laws helped produce those grandkids. So I'm in love with everybody, and I love you folks. You're awesome people, and we are delighted to be your pastor. In fact, I woke up this morning feeling just double honored because we have we have in this church some of the greatest some of the greatest young preachers that uh, that we have ever ever passed through this place. And I am so happy that this church is has a great future ahead of it. Because there's young men that have the grip, have a grip of grace, and they understand what God is doing, and that don't mean I'm going away tomorrow. I'm going to be around. I'm going to be around. I'm just telling you the church is in good hands. Amen. So that's a great thing. Now, if uh, if you have not been here for the first two, we welcome you here today. And if you are a first time guest, we give you a celebration right now. We're thankful to have you. You know. You know pastors want to be relevant, you know that, we want to be relevant, we want to be in step with what we're doing and, uh, and so that's, that's always neat. I, I heard about a pastor that, 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 that called down, he was going to have a prayer line one night for some people and he's going down the line and asking them what they wanted and one man said, sir, I need prayer for my hearing. And so the pastor just put his hands on his ears and said, God, you're able to touch this man, you can heal his hearing right now. So when he took his hands off, he said, how do you feel? He said, well, I don't know. The hearing's next Tuesday at the courthouse. <laughs> so if you come to me for prayer, please specify what you're asking for, and we'll, we'll be a lot better off, okay? Second Corinthians chapter 6 says, dear Corinthians, I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide, open, spacious life. We didn't fence you in. The smallness you feel comes from within you. Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. I'm speaking as plainly as I can and with great affection. Open up your lives. Live openly and expansively. Say amen to the word. Say so I'm going to help the pastor, and you may be seated. Just before I get started, there's a sweet, sweet lady over here to my left that I want to recognize. It is my sister-in-law. And uh, she was married to my older, meaner brother for a long, long time and had three precious children. And she's here. She kept Reed and JC's uh, children while they went on a little three day trip. I'm talking about Becky, Becky Armstrong. Would you stand, hon? I'm happy to welcome you today. It's an honor to have you. It's an honor. And we love you. Cassidy was at the car wash. Cassidy was at the car wash with the three kids the other day. and and there's, a, there's one of the little, the little one, Ellery, she's two years old. The baby girl is frightened of the car wash. And has shown her fear repeatedly when going through a wash. But you can't leave the kid at home while you go to the car wash. You got to take the kids. So she takes the whole tribe. And the experience is an adventure and it's past her comfort zone. But with a little help from big brother and big sister of praying and asking God to help, she survived. Take a, take a look. We're going to show you a little film of it. Look at that big brother and big sister taking care of her. <laughs> it's okay. All Hands over the good. ears. I've yep, friend for her hearing. Oh, Sweet. We're doing good. good job, sissy. You're doing so good. Well, that's really done. Almost done. Okay, that's it. <laughs> Celebrate, celebrate. Oh, Lord, that's my kids. I love when little kids pray for other things. I love little kids' prayers. One little girl said, And forgive us our trash baskets, (laughs) as we forgive those who put trash in our baskets. (laughs) I love another one who prayed, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us some email. But my favorite is a boy that prayed every night the same prayer. And one night, obviously, bored from what he was praying, he said, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And if I should die before I wake, then there was a long pause. He said, can I have breakfast with you in the morning? You can't hardly beat that kind of praying. Kids, when territory, folks, in our lives is increasing, it can be a very scary experience. It really can. It can be easier to stay where we are just to stay and be satisfied in what we call the commonplace, the place of common living. Vince Lombardi once said, winning is a habit, unfortunately so is losing. And that's the way it is. If you're living in that side of life, you can stay there, but there's a greater life for you to live. It can feel more comfortable to stay within the boundaries of the familiar territory. You really can. The problem with that is if we stay there, we're comfortable, we'll never experience the bigger life that God has for us. So at the first of this message today, if you're thinking about getting baptized perhaps or giving your life to the Lord or seeking the infilling of the Holy Spirit in your life, I encourage you not to let apprehensions and hesitations hold you back. Perhaps the first time to feel the urge to clap your hands with the singing because this is a hand-clap in church. Or to lift your hands and surrender to worship because we do that. Sing along and praise God with your own voice. That happens here. I encourage you not to live your life in the comfortable I encourage you to let your life get bigger. And if this is your first time to give, perhaps monetarily, or you want to be a part with your time and with your talent with this church, you feel inspired to give more than before, and and it it doesn't feel comfortable, I inspire you to go forward anyhow. If you're in the process like others around you of inviting friends and family to come to church with you, be be confident. Be confident. Be big and full of faith. God will work through you to be a blessing to others. See, a big life, folks, is a blessed life. Say blessed life. It's an increasing life. And it's a generous life. Go ahead, you can talk. A generous life. A generous life. And I want us to live big. Not just preach big. Not just sing about being big. Not just talk about being big. I want us to live big lives. I want us to stretch ourselves. I want us to, to, to lengthen our cords, and I want us to enlarge our tents, and I want us to strengthen our stakes because God wants us to be big. If we're going to build a bigger church, we need to live bigger in our life to walk into a bigger congregation because God's got big stuff for us, and it's not just in a building. It's ourselves as personalities, as people, as spirit beings. We must get big. So I'm going to teach you about four little principles here today. And one of them is this, although God wants to bless people, not everyone is equally blessed. The reason some people experience more blessing than others is not because God wants to bless some people and not others. For God is no respecter of person. God wants to bless all of our lives. You say amen to that? But some people prepare themselves. And some people position themselves to live in that experience, a place of supernatural blessing. You know, when there was a storm on the water one day at Galilee, 11 men hung on to the bow of the ship. One stepped over and walked to Jesus on the stormy sea. One. You know, when an army was hiding in foxholes and dens and afraid of a giant, a young man who never was even old enough to be in the army walked to the battlefield and said, I'll take him on with a slingshot. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. God uses people who will step out and prepare themselves to do something bigger in life. Some, some pray big prayers. They live a life of obedience and honor to God. They have confidence in the promises that God has for their lives. Can you say amen? amen. Nobody, folks, I'm going to make a statement, is going to the summit of Mount Everest accidentally. Accidentally. You're not going to be out walking one day and say, wow, wow, I think I'll just take a walk today. And, you know, i walk longer today than a normal, and whoo, look where I'm at. I'm on the top of Everest. Ain't going to happen. You can't even do that to Pikes Peak, which is half the size of Everest. You can't do that to these hills out here on the west side of town. You can't do that. You've got to prepare yourself. You really do. You've got to prepare yourself. You're not just going to take a walk and wind up in a high place. But you gotta take care to prepare yourself. I love the words of Edmund Hillary, who was the first man along with Tenzing Norgay to climb Everest. But when he was defeated the first and second and third time in climbing Everest, he said this, I will come again and conquer you because you because as a mountain you can't grow, but as a human I can. Mountains don't grow any bigger. And so on May 29, 1953, he and Tenzing Norgay climbed the 29,035-foot summit of Mount Everest for the first time. He then said after he climbed it, it's not the mountain we conquer, but it's ourselves. It's ourselves. People do not decide to become extraordinary. They decide to accomplish extraordinary things. And he said this, you don't have to be a fantastic hero to do certain things. You, just, you can just be an ordinary chap or an ordinary Joe, sufficiently motivated to reach challenging goals. Would you clap your hands and rejoice in that? That's good stuff. I love those statements. I love those statements. But if you look at the mountain and you say, I want to experience that, do you know when Caleb first saw Hebron when he first saw the mountain. Do you know when it was? It was 38 years before he walked into Canaan. And he realized that there was something there that caught his eye when Ten said that we can't take that land. And he and Joshua said we can take that land. And for 38 years, he maturated. He thought about it. He dreamed about it. I'm going to take that mountain. I'm going to take that mountain. And he practiced walking perhaps around Kadesh Barnea. He practiced walking there a little bit, climbing a little bit. Because he knew one day he was going to put a flag for his tribe on the top of that place called Hebron. He knew that. He knew that. And it was a place where David was anointed. It was a place where David was anointed again because he knew that it had something special in his life. And when he came to the promised land, he was 85 years old. And he said, I still want that mountain. And he took it for himself because he prepared himself. Oh, I'm preaching now. He prepared himself. What we need to do when we walk out here today is start thinking bigger, praying bigger, dreaming bigger, faithing bigger, having bigger hearts than we've ever had before to trust the God that can do anything in our life. Clap your hands and rejoice in that. You have to prepare yourself. You have to take instruction. You have to connect with people who know their way to the top and keep your confidence and never quit. You know, if, I, if there was somebody in, in this house that I knew that was a success and I understood there was success in certain things, I would seek them out. I'd seek them out. When I was a young preacher, I sought out great preachers. And I asked them, what, what, how do they prepare a message? How did they do this and what did they do? I, I was just like, a, I was like a, a sponge. I was just soaking it all. I, I wanted to hear from them. I wanted to understand from them how they did it. And God never let me stop doing that. And God prepared me to preach this gospel. You can experience the summit of your mountain. In a similar way, if you're a person that says, I want to experience God's supernatural blessing in my life. I want to do that. I feel like there's something more for me in my life. Then I would encourage you. To not just hang out and wait for it. Don't hang out and wait for the lottery to hit your house. Start understanding. I had, a, I had an old boy in Dallas, honest to God, that used to clean offices. And he got into dental, dentist offices. And he realized that dentists put gold in people's teeth. So he started taking the rug under the chair of the dentist chair, shaking it out and collected little, little bitty nuggets of gold. And before you know it, he had a little bit of gold, then a little more gold, then a little more gold. And he'd go sell it. He said, pastor, I'm not making a lot of money cleaning offices, but I sure am doing good selling the gold. I'm telling you folks, you just got, you just got to go. You got to go. You got, you got to just keep making efforts and go forward and understand that God loves you to pray big prayers. Kind of like that little boy. I love this story. That little old boy, his mama took him to the grocery store about two and a half, three years old. And she said, son, listen, I don't want you asking for chocolate chip cookies in that grocery store. Because if you do, I will take you out and bring the paddle. I brought the house you. I'll wear you out. Don't you ask for, don't you ask for cookies in that store. But she had to go down the chocolate chip cookie aisle. And when he saw them, <laughs> a whipping didn't matter. He said, chalky chip cookies, chalky chip cookies. And he started reaching for him. And she said, son, and she spat his little hand, I told you not to ask for those. He said, oh, chalky chip cookies. And so she finally went to the front of the the store, didn't get him any cookies, and he was bitter. He was hurting on the inside. And just before she checked him out, just before she checked out, he stood up in that grocery cart, in that little area he he was sitting in, and he said, in the name of Jesus Christ, I need some cookies. Paul Harvey told that story years ago, and I listened to it, and I never have forgot it. And he went home with 23 bags of cookies that day. <laughs> Why don't some of you raise up and say, I need something from you, God. I want to start praying big. God's got more than chocolate chip cookies waiting on you. Not everyone's equally blessed. Part two, praying big prayer is a blessing and increase is part of living a big life. Everybody say big prayers. A blessing and increase is part of living a big life. See, most people that I know pray what we call survival prayers. They pray rescue prayers. They pray reactive prayers. They pray, God, I'm in this situation again for the 80th time. I need to get out of this situation. Oh, God, help me prayers. And God, God will answer reactive prayers. He really will. But he loves proactive prayers. He loves prayers that take place before the situation. Not just to bail you out, but to spring you forward. He loves your vision to get big. See, they don't ask for what they really want because they're always on the negative praying for things to just get bailed out of. But scripture encourages us to pray big prayers. Everybody say big prayers, to pray tenaciously and with confidence. You know what? I told the first two served. You know what I you know what I'm praying for today? Here's what I'm praying for today. God, Heal America. Heal America. Is that too big for you? Heal America, God. Bring America to her knees. Bring America to her senses. Come on, we need a God revival in America. We need America. The Bible said, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and I will heal their land. Come on, let's start praying big prayers, big prayers, big prayers. Matthew chapter 7 said, ask and it will be given. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. Say it with me. For everyone who asks receives. You know, how, you know why I have you repeat that? Because I want you to say that. I don't want you just to hear that. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks the door will be opened. Which of you, if your sons ask for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then... Though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Say amen to that. I love 1 Chronicles chapter 4. It's in my office. Years ago when we built this building, I put some scriptures in my office before they painted and did all of that. And I've got all kinds of scriptures. And one of them is 1 Chronicles chapter 4. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. And let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so I'll be free from pain. And God granted his request. Can I tell you, Joshua prayed one day on the day the Lord gave the Amorites to Israel. Joshua said in the presence of Israel, son, stand still. I'm sorry, folks. I don't think there's much bigger praying than that. Because number one, the son don't ever move. He He prayed a wrong prayer, but God loves big prayers so much. That he allowed the earth to stop its its rotation on its axis and quit revolving around the sun for about a day. And he said, not only do I want you to stand still, son, I want you to stop over the valley of Gibeah, Gibeah. And I want the moon to stop over the valley of Agilon. And the Bible said the sun stood still and the moon stopped till the nation avenged itself of its enemies. I'm declaring, if Joshua can speak to the sun, hallelujah, if Caleb can talk to a mountain, Hallelujah. If, if Peter can get out of a boat, if David can whip a giant, we can stand here today and say we can pray some big prayers. We can pray some big prayers. Why not go ahead and live your life big and full and full of grace and full of the mercy and the glory of God in your future. Say amen to that. Give yourself permission to pray big prayers. Arnold Palmer was one of my heroes in life. I loved his golf game. When I say loved, it's a little L, not a big one. And I I enjoyed his attitude. And I first drank an Arnold Palmer, which is half lemonade and half iced tea, in his honor. And I still drink them to this day. He once played a series of exhibition matches in Saudi Arabia. And the king was so impressed that he proposed in good Middle Eastern fashion to honor his guest with a gift. And Arnold Palmer resisted. He said, it really is necessary, Your Highness. I'm honored just to have been invited here. It's been an honor. And in good Middle Eastern fashion... His Highness persisted. I would be deeply upset, replied the king, if you would not allow me to give you a gift. Palmer thought for a moment, all right, how about a golf club? I can take it home and put it in my office. That would be beautiful, a memento to visit, my visit for your country. The next day, delivered to Palmer's Hotel was the title to a golf club. (laughs) With thousands of acres, trees, lakes, and a clubhouse that defied description. And Arnold Palmer died still owning that. Hear me today. In the presence of the king, don't ask for small gifts. In the presence of a king, don't ask for small gifts. And I will say this, big prayers honor God. And God honors big prayers. You need to say that all week long. Big prayers. Come on. Big prayers honor God. And God honors big prayers. Clap your hands real big for that because that's good. I remember reading a story about Napoleon when he conquered a particular island in his conquering of things as being the emperor, the king, and all of, of France. I remember this. And he had just conquered this island, and they were in the tents, and they were rejoicing, and they were having just a jolly old time, giving cheers to one another. And a young lieutenant walked into that big tent. He said, "Sir, can I have your ear for a moment?" And Napoleon said, "Yes. What do you What do you want, son?" He said, "Sir, I come to ask you for this island. I want this island for me. I want this island." Some of the men in the room said, "Get him out of here, Napoleon. He's crazy." Napoleon said, you want what? He said, I want this island, sir. It's a true story. And Napoleon said, bring me the paper. And he wrote, this lieutenant will get this island because he had the audacity to come in here and ask for it. And he knew that I had the power to give it to him. So I'm just going to give him what he asked for. If Napoleon can do that to a young lieutenant, how about the Jesus that you serve? He can give you things that you never dreamed possible. Come on, clap your hands. He wants to give you healing. He wants to give you victory. He wants to give you a future. He wants to bless you. He wants to heal you. He wants to walk with you. He wants you to feel no pain. He wants you to understand that there is a great future in your life. So what does praying big look like in your life? Give yourself permission to pray for big things. Point number three, a big life is a barrier-breaking life. It really is. It exceeds natural limitations. It exceeds the expectation of others. It surprises everyone, especially the naysayers, the doubters, and the critics. A great example of this is someone who's living big is a man named Nick Vujicic. He wasn't born to a wealthy family, and he's not a big-time celebrity or sports star. In fact, by most people's standard, he has reasons to live small, to live inhibited, a life of self-pity. He was born in 1982. He's 36 years old was born in Brisbane, Australia, with no arms and no legs. Here's his picture. There he is, Nick Vujicic. Little did they or anyone else know that this beautiful, limbless baby would one day be someone who would inspire and motivate millions of people. From all walks of life around the world, God uses Nick to touch lives and bring the hope of Jesus to the people around this globe. His ministry is called simply No Limbs, No Limits. What is your limits? What is your hold up? If a man don't have legs and doesn't have arms can inspire millions, what's, what's stopping you from growing big in God and thinking big? Come on, I'm preaching to you right now. Somebody needs to say, preach to me, pastor. Come on, let me hear it. Come on, pour it on me, pastor. I want to hear the gospel. Come on, come on. No limbs, no limits. Don't be held by it. But what you perceive to be limitations, don't be held back what others say or think about you. There's a beautiful story in Acts chapter 12 about a man named Peter who was in prison, and he was going to be beheaded the next day by Herod. And the Bible said, but there was prayer made at a woman called John Mark's mother's house. Her name was Mary. And they prayed for Pete to get out of that prison house. He was between two guards. There was three doors he had to walk through, or two doors and an iron gate. And he was there, and it was was dark, and it was late. But prayer was made. Big prayer was made. Because God not only had to bring Pete out, he had to take the shackles off. Keep the guards asleep. Make the doors open without it without a key. Make the iron gate open of its own accord. Mm. Oh, I feel like preaching right now. But God can do all that stuff. He can do all that stuff. You say, God, let me pray big prayers. In 2018, let me believe for big things in my life. Let me understand that you got more for me than I could ever imagine. And when Pete walked out of that prison place, when he walked out, the Bible said he exceeded the expectation of the Jews. You know what that means? That means everybody that wasn't praying at that house, and even some that were praying at that house, believed that this prayer was just going to be just a token prayer. They believed that Pete was probably going to die the next day, but he didn't die. He lived to preach the gospel. He lived to hold the keys of the church. He lived to understand that God was greater than anything in this world. Because somebody prayed a big prayer. I'm telling you, some of you have been delivered from prisons. Some of you have been delivered from things in your life. But the world thinks that you'll never excel. Oh, hallelujah. You'll never get to where you need to be in God. But I'm telling you, get beyond the expectation of people and walk into a new day of big living. Oh, I didn't mean to preach that hard, but I feel the Holy Ghost in this house right now. Somebody clap your hands and say, glory. Get beyond the expectation. He'll always fight drugs. No, he won't. He'll always fight alcohol. No, he won't. He'll always be down. No, he won't. He's going to live bigger than that. He's going to live better than that. He's going to come beyond the expectation of everybody around him. Because that's what God wants you to do in this big life. God delights in blessing people in that way, extends their reach and expands their life to the surprise of everyone around them. And so my final point is simply this. Big life is a generous life. It's a generous life. I want to encourage you to think big. I want to encourage you to think generous about your giving of your time. Not, I'm not talking about money necessarily. Your time, your talent. Yes, and your treasure. You know, yesterday... I just felt the urge to go watch the horns in their scrimmage, in their, in their spring scrimmage. Never done it in 28 years. So I just, I just thought, you know, I'm ready to preach. Maybe I can get something from going and watching these boys. A little extra. I didn't. <laughs> but we had fun. Took Brad. Took Jaron. Windsor. Oh, Windsor had the time of his life. He loved it. We watched those guys. Now, they got some, they got some boys out there that can play. They really do. But I was thinking, you know, just watching these guys is not, it's fun. But I'm still a person that likes to get into the game. Yeah. And when I saw some of the boys throw passes, I said to myself, I'm 68 years old. And I can throw a ball better than that. <laughs> I can't, but I think I can. <laughs> and there's, there's, there's some guys out there that can do it. But I, I just think that sometime in your life, you got to get tired of the sideline ministry. And you got to say, you know what, I'm going I'm I'm to think bigger about my time, bigger about my talents, bigger about my treasure. I'm going to think bigger. I'm going to get big in my journey. I'm going to get big in this thing. Because God wants me to be big. God wants me to show him that I have faith for bigger things in life. 2 Corinthians 9 said, Whatever sow, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. I'm, not, I didn't pre, I, I'm just reading this. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work as it is written. They have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You'll be enriched in every way so that you can be generous in every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. That's not just talking about your treasure. That's talking about your talent. That's talking about your time and it's talking about your treasure folks the church needs some big time thinkers we need some big time prayers we need some people who know how to shrink themselves and honor a great big God we need people who understand that this thing is not about us but we need to think greater about what God is doing through us God is big He's massive, he's awesome, and he wants us to understand that he honors, he honors big prayer. He honors big prayer because God loves praying big. He loves it. And so today, in this last service, I want to I share something with you. I really do. I want you to abandon smallness. Say amen to that. Amen. I want you to worship God with the fervor. Say amen to that. Amen. And I want you to start praying big prayers. Like you've never prayed in your life. See, you can't pray a prayer so large that God, in answering it, will not wish you had made it larger. Right. Pray not for crutches, but pray for wings. Right. Pray for God to either change the circumstances or supply the sufficient power to overcome them. Hallelujah. Sometimes he steals the storm. Sometime he steals the soul that's in the storm. But whatever God chooses to do, I'm going to be a big thinker. God is awesome. He is awesome. Live what the Bible wants you to live, a big life. So on Thursday, I was finished with this. I had laid it to rest. And then it started maturating in my spirit. And on Saturday, I was walking around the house just praying. I've got a little, I've got a little wall of Jericho that I walk around, living room, down, down by the hall, through the kitchen. Amen. Back, back around by the family room, back around to the living room. I just kind of walk, I just kind of walk. Wherever I am, I just I, I walk. I just walk in the house and I said, God, I want you to give me a word tomorrow for the church. I want you to give me a word. Give me a word. I want to end this message with a word from my heart to the people's heart. Would you give me something? And then he, he showed me that when I looked up sin, I didn't want to preach on sin, but it's used 448 times in the Bible. And then anger is used through 234 times in the Bible. And hate is... Is used only 87 times in the Bible. Boy, there's a lot of people that get a lot out of those 87 verses, don't they? And bitterness is used just 22 times in the Bible. And envy is used just 20. And lust is found only 18 times. Yet we talk about that a lot, don't we? But the word that God dropped in my spirit was a word called again. Again. Say again. It's found 672 times in the word. It's more than sin. It's more than anger. It's more than hate, bitterness, and envy. It's more than lust. Because God wants you to understand something. He wants you to know if you have failed and fallen flat on your face. Solomon said, A man will fall seven times, he'll rise again. I want you to. Oh, hallelujah, I want you to walk out of here today saying, God is going to give me an again. God's going to give me an again in my life. Hallelujah 67two times he said again. He said nine times, Destroy this temple and I will raise it up again. I'll raise it up again. I'm going to come back again because He wants you to understand that when you think it's over, when hell tells you it's over, when Hell says you're finished, he says, get back up again. Stand up again. I got a plan for you again. I got something greater for you again. I got something more powerful for you again. Oh, I feel the Holy Spirit in this house. Why don't we have a little church right now? Lift your hands and magnify him all over this place. Lift your hands and magnify him all over this house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I love your spirit, Lord. Randy, if you'll help me. I was 14 years old one day and I was praying. If you're 14, you start praying. You might be innocent enough for God to talk to you. And God spoke to me. and he said, son, you're going to preach my gospel one day? And I got to measure myself against other young men when I got older that was preaching the gospel. And they all had great pedigree and they all had wonderful dads who perhaps were pastors. And I had a lot of friends whose dads were pastors. And I didn't have preachers in my family. I had outlaws in my family. Especially on one side. I mean Outlaws. And here I—I heard this voice, and my 15s, the 16s, the 17 and 18, and I was thinking, I can't use this. And I remember going to a church camp. If your kids ever want to go to church camp, if you don't have the money, tell us we'll we'll pay for them. We'll we'll send them to church camp for you. Church camp is a wonderful place for your kids. It really is. and I was back I was back over in the corner I didn't really want to be there I had laid down this thought of preaching the gospel I was 19 years old and the preacher was saying you know God can use you he said even if you're just a two legs and a piece of an ear he can use you a lamb a shepherd will be coming to get you if you if you're a bent reed or a smoking flax, he can use you. If you're a burned stone, he can use you. I'll never forget it. And I was resisting. I was resisting. And one of my good buddies, boy, I wish he was in this church. He's talking about a saint. He never preached, but he was a saint. He came put his arm around me and he said, Hey, God ain't talking to me, He's talking to you. He's talking to you, Rex. He said, You've got a call on your life. We've we've known it. Why don't you let me go pray with you? And I went down to the front. I knelt at the altar. God came to me again. Again. And touched my lips. And anointed my soul. And a fire was put in me. And the next year, I started preaching the gospel when I was 20. And I've never... Never look back. Because God believes and again. So you had a failure. So you had some tragedy. Do you know I'm living longer on the back side of tragedy than I am on the front side? 31 when it happened. 37 more years I'm still living. Because God had an again for me. It happens. There's families here that's lost children. There's families here that's lost moms and dads. There's a a widow in service today that lost her husband just a couple of weeks ago on a Sunday. She's in the house of God today, and God's going to give her again. (laughs) Because it's more than sin. It's more than anger. It's more than hate. It's more than bitterness and envy and lust. God loves that word again. In fact, Leviticus said after he's been sold, talking about slaves into, into slavery. He may be redeemed again. One of the brothers may redeem him. Jesus Christ is our older brother that redeems us from being bound to things that we don't need to be bound to. And being tied to things. So today I close. i am preached a little bit too long. But y'all are my adopted class. In fact, this is so funny. One gentleman came in the first service and said, I'm missing my adoption session today. Be be in first service I said you're out of place you're a fish out of water he said I know it but I'll be back to that service next week I love you folks now listen listen God gave this service to this church because there's people like you that wouldn't come to formal church at 9 o'clock or 10.30 but you love this 12 o'clock service it's your, it's your Austin and I'm here to I'm here to declare, here to declare that some of you need it again in your life so how do I do it pastor how do I do it how do I do how do I how do I have this again feeling in my life each of us was born we should be born again the word again is the key to a brand new life and how can I be born again first of all have faith second confess your sin third repent of your sin and fourth wash away those sins by water baptism and rise in the newness of the spirit within you be born a second time but how 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 God told Jeremiah Jeremiah chapter 18 I want you to go to the potter's house and when he got there he saw a vessel mired on a wheel and marred on a wheel and the potter took the vessel and made it again then God asked Jeremiah cannot I I do with you what this potter has done to the vessel see my God's a creator but he's also a recreator he made you he can make you over again again everybody say again is the word Again is the word. I close. This is really the landing now. I'm landing. Back in Vietnam they had the enemy had what they call these tiger cages. And they would put prisoners in them, and they were five feet tall and four feet wide and four feet deep. And a man of normal size, an American man could not feel comfortable. He couldn't stand up, you couldn't lay down, you couldn't stretch out. They made you cramped. And a Navy pilot that I read about went through six years of this, and one night they moved the prisoners at night and put him in back in one of these tiger cages. it was made out of bamboo, and the, those Vietnamese had told our American soldiers they were stronger than concrete and stronger than, stronger than stone. But one night, one night, that American pilot got to move in one of those bamboo sticks, and when he moved it, it moved out of place and gave him room to move his body through, and he escaped. He never went back to a bamboo tiger cage What am I saying Don't let hell Rob your victory By putting you in a tiger cage And destroying your mindset And destroying your heart set That you can have bigger life You can have greater things in your life Move the bamboo, step outside And find some freedom in your life here today Amen That's what Jesus wants you to do Would you stand You're awesome people. You're awesome people. I wish I could tell you the times that I have seen agains in people's life. Divorces, bitterness, almost hatred, envious of people that have good marriages. But God's got an again. After second service today, a beautiful young girl, a mother of two, just went through a horrible divorce. Just went through a horrible divorce. And she came to me with tears and said, Pastor, it's final. And I say, but I said, but God's not through with you yet. You have a future because there's an again in your life. Don't quit coming to the house of God. She said, I'll be here. She raised her hands. We prayed for her and she had victory. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. God's got an again in your life. He's got an again. You suffered pain, but God's got an again in your life. You've suffered heartache, but God's gotten again in your life. And he wants to give you that again today. Bow your heads and close your eyes.